and welcome to Stationary Adjacent, a podcast at the intersection of analog and digital productivity. My name is Justin Twyford, and I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Stuart Lennon. How are you today, Stuart? I'm in fine form. Thank you, Justin. How are you? I'm doing very well. It's going to be a nice sunny weekend here, which is not a surprise to you, but for us, it's a good change from the rain. So I'm uh, kind of excited about this week. Uh, clearly you've sent the rain to us. We're expecting a little bit of rain tomorrow. <gasps> Shock horror. <laughs> I, what do you do? I, I'm sure that's a tough one for you. Oh, we just stay inside and look miserable. That's the Cypriot way. That's a 2020, 2021 way, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe that too. <laughs> All right. What, what do you've got as a tool of the week this week? Oh, simplicity itself for me this week. Uh, it's a pencil. Uh, it's the Blackwing 10, uh, which is, um, it's the investigative journalism. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's ooh, in honor of Eli Blythe or Ellie Blythe. Um, I'm not sh- quite sure how you say it, who wrote 10 Days in a Madhouse, I-, I think for the New York Times, but I could be wrong. Yes, I remember that. It's uh, Extra Firm Core. So uh, for me, it's kind of, it's a Blackwing that's also a pencil because the, the Blackwing mat, the, the, um, the softer one, is beautiful. It's a wonderful thing. Oh, but it's not very practical because it needs sharpening all the time. Whereas this, good, extra firm core, it's, dare I say, it's much more of a European-style pencil. It doesn't need as much sharpening. And I really like the sort of laid-back colours. It's grey with a silver ferrule and a black eraser. It's... It's, uh, yeah, I suppose, quite corporate in a way, but um, love it. Fantastic pencil. Very nice. What about you? What's your tool of the week? I, I did something interesting. I actually finished mm. a notebook, which if you're anything like me, I, don't, I, I think you kind of go with one notebook and you stay with it for a while. Mm-hmm. Yep. I have notebooks for everything, different notebooks. So I have one notebook that is, I'll call it a personal journal. It's more like ransom raves, a place where I kind of go when I need to get things off my head and onto paper and work things out. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those that I never want anybody to read. It is, you know, if anybody read it, they'd think I'm a really grumpy old geek yelling at the internet, but I, I finished it. Uh, it's been a couple of years and I realized just how lovely that was it was a Rhodia A5 Webby, which is a lovely cream color, ivory color paper. It's lined, it handles just about anything that you throw at it very nicely. And I took it out of the cover and it just still looks gorgeous as the bright orange of the Rhodia. Uh, so I, I love that little book. However, I then got to do that wonderful thing of picking a new book. Do I go with another Webby? Do I go with a Leuch term? Do I go for something a different size? Do I got, I, I had three stacks of notebooks on my desk as I was going through, looking at them, trying to figure out which is the right one for this application. And I chose an Apica C.D. notebook. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what that actually stands for because most of the rest of it is in Japanese on it, but it is a beautiful lined, smooth Midori like paper. Yep. Uh, it was lined and perfect for the use that I wanted it. It's 
sort of a soft cover. It's more of a cardboard cover, but it's a soft cardboard, flexible, uh, absolutely gorgeous, gorgeous paper. And it just kind of screamed out to me. But the process, I must have spent half an hour, 45 minutes on this process of trying to decide what notebook I was going to use next. So this is kind of a shout out for the two of those, the trusty Rhodia A5 Webby and the Apica CD Notebook. Have you ever used any of the Apica? I know you've used uh, Rodeo over there quite a lot. Yeah, no, I've used them both. Um, both, I, I would agree with you, really, really nice notebooks. Um, I think the the Apica has a certain, oh, it, it's a glassy sort of feel to the paper. It's very, very smooth. You can just sort of flow across it. Um, whereas the Webby has a little bit more absorbency to it, perhaps. Mm. Um, a little bit more feedback, maybe. Um, but yeah, wonderful notebooks, both. That, uh, you, you have good taste in notebooks, sir, I can say <laughs> with a, a degree of certainty. That's great. I, I got a question for you, though, because a new notebook always hits me with that awful dilemma. What do you do on the first page of a new notebook? Because I am petrified to write on that first page. What, what, do you have a, a process? Well, I think everybody is. Um, I think everybody thinks, okay, I want this to be a really good notebook. If you've got a purpose already intended, so if you're planning on, you know, in your case, renewing the Rant and Rave book, then I think it's maybe easier. But what I tend to do more often than not would be I leave the new, the first probably three pages blank. Okay. So you leave even more than I do. Well, it's always with that intention that I'm going to go back and maybe do a little cover and a title once once the book has, has spoken to me about what it wants to be. Mm -hmm. uh, and of course, I never do because once once I'm using the book, I'm using the book. Um, the other thing I do is ink tests. Mm. So if it's a new new notebook or a notebook new to me in terms of the paper type, then I'll I'll pull out some big nibs and I'll pull out some uh, wet inks and just see how the paper copes with various types of, uh, of writing. Um, cause that's always messy. That's interesting. You do that in the front. Sometimes. Yeah. Cause it, it means I've made a mess of the front of the book and I can just sort of let go of all my concerns <laughs> <laughs> and just get on with it. You know, it's interesting. My ink tests, paper and ink tests are always at the last page of the book, open up the back page. And that's where all my drawings and ink and smudge tests and all that are the first page though i i have the same thing and i know it's not uncommon for stationary users particularly to have if you've got a very very nice notebook to look at that and, and feel that apprehension that nervousness of i'm going to screw it up or if you do screw it up not wanting to use the rest of the notebook so i i didn't realize it but until i kind of sat down with this new notebook that again even with a specific purpose I still leave that whole first page completely blank and I just start on the third page and that works fine for me. And it just gets rid of that stress level. I'm not worried if I screw it up, if my lettering isn't perfect or my handwriting looks like heck, or I'm ranting about something because that's what the purpose of this notebook is for, for me. But I thought it was kind of an interesting idea and I was wondering uh, how other people handle that. And obviously you've got a very similar practice. So, uh, if you uh, are starting a new notebook and you have that fear of making a mistake, just skip it. Skip it, skip a page or two pages or three pages and then come back and do it later if you feel like it. 
yeah, the, the approved Nero's method is first page is potentially your cover. Pages two and three are potentially your index. Uh, I'm prepared to bet that you'll never use them for that, but it at least gives you a purpose in going straight over to, uh, to the next one. <laughs> Interesting. All right, so let's get on to our topic. Our topic today is task boards. And task boards, I, Stu and I have both been reading Cal Newport's new book, A World Without Email. And I'm not sure that his world without email is actually without email. It's just a different solution rather than the busyness of email that many organizations have. And Stu and I are arguing in the show notes about how you spell an organization because I apparently spell it the American way and <laughs> Stuart doesn't like that. <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd love to get, we must get a screenshot one day of your um, notes uh, up against my notes because I'm fairly certain we use Apple notes. So I'm fairly certain that your uh, red underlines will be, will be the mirrors of mine. So uh, your word organization is underlined in my text and I'm sure my word organization is underlined in your text. Yeah. You've got the little red squiggly line right <laughs> underneath it. <laughs> yeah. Because of the preferences in the, in the setup. Um, so I can't really help it. They shout out at me. I, I get, oh, here's all the Americanisms. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> Customized comes up later, for example. Oh, that's funny. I, anyway, we're going to talk about task boards. Cal Newport recommends Trello. There's a couple of them out on the market. I'll talk about one that I use a little bit in terms of the tool itself and some of the functionality that it does offer. But what is a task board? Stu, what do you know about task boards? Well, um, I, I won't say exactly what I put in the show note, but um, I, I, not a lot would be fair. Um, I, I I have downloaded Trello, which I think is, is quite a big one, mm -hmm. once, and sort of noodled about in it for five or ten minutes and then sort of carefully backed away from it. Just it, whatever it was about it didn't really kick off for me. I mean, I understand the concept, particularly the the – analog concept of you know you're you're moving something along uh, a process and i do use one that's slightly offbeat i go pipe drive have you come across that no i'm not familiar with that at all it's a very salesy type one so it's um about how you would take a, a prospect all the way through to a lead to a customer mm. um and it uses that sort of moving along uh, I guess, you know, visually I'm, I'm looking at a board and for me it's going from left to right along the process. So a little bit of experience of that, but never, never anything central uh, to any business that I've been involved in. You, I think, have used it a little bit more, haven't you? Yeah, so the concept I've used for many years in a physical capacity, which is, I think, probably one of the best ways it's used some of my background is in manufacturing and in manufacturing, particularly in custom manufacturing and construction, you have traditional waterfall type projects. And what I've found is visually to get people on board, it's much easier to have sort of a task board where you have, usually it's three to five or as many as you want. There are different columns where the tasks live and each column has a specific label. So for example, everything that you want to do is in a to-do list, a to-do column. And as you start working on it, you move it over into a in-progress 
worksheet. You probably put your name on it, probably put some notes on it. And the goal is to move it along, usually to the right, to a completed section. So visually, it works very well. If you're in the middle of a construction site or an industrial facility, people having tasks that they can take and move and identify what they're doing is a good way to create ownership of the task itself. But the idea of them came from Scrum. Uh, Scrum is an agile programming methodology, and I think this came out in probably the early 2000s, if I remember correctly. The idea of it was to create a task board to track the tasks that would get done in sprints, which sprints are defined as a period of time. Uh, a programming team would sit and develop an idea of what they could actually do in a sprint. In the official documentation, it says one month or less. The more traditional one is about two weeks. Uh, you iterate a sprint. You don't really work on anything else. That's all you work on. That's tasks that are predefined. You move everything from the to-do to the done pile. And then at the end of that sprint, you review what's been done, how long it took. You rate what the tasks were in terms of difficulty. There's uh, a sort of a uh, Fibonacci sequence of numbers that one uses to rate the difficulty of the tasks and the time that it will take. And the idea is that you count your points and then for, therefore the next time you aim to get more points done in your sprint. Uh, it's great for programming teams. It's a little less practical in a lot of other businesses where you just can't put every task in for a sprint, finish it, and then look and say, okay, what next do we need to do? Mm -hmm. But it, it does have value. I'm not going to go too deep on Scrum. It is a different way of looking at uh, traditional waterfall methodologies. So uh, that would be Microsoft Project. I'm sure you've worked with that or seen those wonderful charts. This project will take three weeks, then this part of the project will go on, and then this deadline will happen. And you know, it just becomes this, it looks like a waterfall as you go down the chart. They're long, they're complicated. Yeah. And by the time you actually publish one of those, they're generally outdated. That's kind of the challenge with, with a traditional waterfall method, methodology. The Scrum, and I know you'd use a little bit of this, Stu. One of the keys to that is a morning meeting, or as you call it, a huddle. Because I know you enjoy those. Ah, yes. And the idea is that you're focused on everything in the sprint that you're working on. And you're looking at what did you do yesterday? What are you going to do today? So you're intentionally planning your day. And more importantly, at that meeting, you're asking for what resources do I need from other people? So if there's another part of the program that you're looking for or another deliverable that you can't work on until that comes through, that's where the communication happens. Mm. And then theoretically, you just go and work on your project or on your task alone and get as much done as you can. Yeah, I mean, I think I've, I've been very sniffy about the, the morning huddle. I mean, the, the client that I'm working with that uses them, I think maybe overuses them because there's, uh, there's a morning one, there's an evening one. Um, and I believe that some teams even have, a, have an after lunch one. Uh, which seems an awful lot of of meetings to me, but the more I've 
participated in some. I don't, <laughs> I'm afraid I can't bring myself to go daily, but um, the more I've participated in, the more I've begun to understand what they're aiming at in, in this very particular current stage that we have of uh, sort of sudden, unexpected remote working along with some established remote teams, what the Scrum is actually giving that business is accountability. Um, so getting those, uh, they're essentially account management, sales type roles, getting those people together uh, and getting them essentially to pledge what they're doing because, you know, the, the great barrier always with, with sales teams is getting them to sell. <laughs> That's always been the big challenge uh, because it's, you know, cold calling, cold emailing, those types of things are not things that come naturally to most people. So uh, I, I can see, I can see the, the power of that sort of morning communication. And I guess you're going to tell me, but I, I guess the secret is really about it being very focused, being very time sensitive and not becoming a sort of big sprawling mess. I would guess that's the importance of it. It is. It's, it's a tough one. Uh, the meetings and, and this is more in scrum. So I don't think we're going to touch on it too much. Mm. They really have to be focused to be effective. Sure. And I think that is one of the places that organizations do fall apart. They get halfway on the bandwagon yep. and don't go any further. Yeah. And that's where I think there could be some, some challenges. I think we can deep dive on Scrum a little bit further if there's any interest uh, down the road. Sure. What I want to focus on is the task board side of that. That the, this column collection of tasks in various status. It's visual. It's easy to work with. It's a place that you can coordinate notes, particularly if you're working on a task that is bigger than just you. Mm. It, it's a great way to see exactly what needs to be done. You just move things from left to right. It's simple in, to do in progress, completed, boom, away you go. Most organizations that I've been in have customized what the columns are. Sure. And you could do this in either Trello or Asana, which is the other common task board software that's out there. And it's something that we've done in every organization that I've been in that has used this. Uh, so the question is digital or analog? Depends on what type of organization. If you're working with people that are doing physical work, Perhaps sometimes it's easier to have them look at a analog board and whiteboards are great whiteboards and magnets, mm -hmm. the magnetic whiteboards. Yep. You put your label onto a magnet and you put the magnet on and you just move the magnet into whatever column you want. It's a great way to really be effective, to communicate what's going on. And in some ways it can avoid a lot of status meetings which are, I think, everybody's most favorite activity <laughs> in the whole world, a Zoom status meeting. That's a good way to lose a couple of hours of productivity. Oh, yes. And let's have it on a Monday morning because, you know, nobody's productive on a Monday morning. <laughs> Do you feel there's um, a sort of modular advantage to analog against digital or digital against analog? Do you think that there's something about the physicality that helps? if you're using an analog system or is it literally like every other digital analog exchange? It's, it's a sort of personal thing. 
I think it's sort of personal, and I think it's going to largely depend on the role that you're working on. Mm-hmm. So I use, in the organizations that I'm in at the moment, I use a combination of analog boards and digital boards. One of the organizations that I work with, uh, they, they rent and sell construction equipment, big pieces of machinery. Okay. And when you rent a piece of equipment, there is a process of getting it back, inspecting it, sending it, you know, doing any repairs that need to be done, preparing it so that it is ready to go back in the field again. And each one of those tasks, you know, from uh, return inspection to washing down to the repairs themselves to the preparation, almost like a PDI, those are ideal columns for a scrum board. And that's kind of how we've done it. We've put those up. The piece of machinery works its way across and as a column that we ideally want to have as many of our pieces of equipment sitting in that is here's ready to go. Mm-hmm. It's sitting here. It can be called up. It can go out on a rental or on a sale tomorrow. And that is very, very valuable because you can quickly look at that and see what state is all of your equipment in. If it has, if somebody has committed to moving that over, they have done their work on that. They've done the repairs, everything that's been done, the machine's ready to go. And that has a lot of value in it because you can easily see what your backlog is for your mechanics. What do they need to do? You can see quite easily where your machines are ready to go and what you need to do to move that process along. And I think it works very, very effectively there. Okay. A machine then goes out, it comes back and it goes right to the beginning and goes through the whole system again. It's not really a task board in a traditional Trello way, but it's very, very effective. And this is on a very, very large whiteboard with uh, magnetic stickers, basically. Stickers put onto magnets and moving along. I find it really good. I find it easy to communicate from everybody from blue-collar workers that don't really care about technology right through to some of the people that are much more digital. Uh, The only problem is when you're working from home, and I ran into this yesterday, that board is in an office on a wall. Sure. And I needed something from it, and I had to actually talk to somebody and say, hey, can you tell me where this is? That that creates some problems, uh, which digital uh, in work from home is less of a concern for. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. For sure. You've spoken about two sort of big names that you're, you're throwing is, is Trello uh, and Asana. And do you use both of those or? Yeah, I looked at both of those. I chose Asana for no other reason than looking at the test setups that I did. I just felt it was a little bit easier. Mm. Uh, what I use for this is uh, my bookkeeping team for one of the other groups of businesses that I'm involved in. I have a bunch of repeating tasks in there And rather than going through and following up each week with the inevitable status meeting, I've set up these recurring tasks with due dates and deadlines and a place to communicate who gets what task assigned to them. They're actually within Asana. Mm. And it's been very, very effective for, it, it will send an email to everybody first thing in the morning with, here's what needs to happen on your Asana board today. Here's what's been assigned to you with the due dates. 
and you just basically will move those along as you're working on them. I like the idea of having the columns, having the in-progress uh, to finish. There's something quite rewarding about taking a, a task, marking it complete, and moving it to the done column. Okay, yeah, see that. We're, I'm not using it exactly as a sprint board because one of the things that is popular with programming methodology, agile programming, is you'll define those tasks ahead of time. And I'm using it a little bit more of a task manager in a traditional sense because a lot of the tasks in that business are their routine. They're things that have to be done weekly. They're things that have to be done monthly. They're filings that have to be done quarterly or yearly. I've created a non-actionable column where a lot of things sit until you can actually work on them because otherwise you just have this to-do list that is ugly because there's so much stuff and I can't action on any of these. So again, this is where creating your own columns is really, really important. It's a bit like the, I, I like OmniFocus we've talked about before for the defer dates. I like to have a date that I defer to. Mm -hmm. And that is something that you don't really have in a task board. So I've created this extra column, which is in some ways my defer date. Sure. What, what do you do? What you don't use anything like this, but how do you deal with those? You do the, deal with those in your task manager, right? Stu? Generally. Yeah. I use, um, the, the task manager. Um, I use a simple one. I use things, which kind of does it. Okay. It does it sufficiently. I think for my use case, but I predominantly work alone. Mm. Uh, and that's, uh, we'll, we'll <laughs> you will discover this is a theme in this conversation. Th that's fine for me because I kind of know what I mean. You know, there's, there's a, a less need for precision because it's me looking at stuff. Um, I have been, um, sort of incidental to this and slightly tangential to this, me a tangent, who would have thought it, um, been looking at Basecamp, which uh, I'm looking at your show note about Asana, and Basecamp does all of that, mm -hmm. but probably not the central thing, which is the board. Yes. That to me is obviously very interesting. I've written down sort of um, Asana, Basecamp, what's the difference, A, to ask you, and B, to go research. Yeah, the Basecamp I really enjoyed using. I used it in a corporate environment uh, about five years ago. Uh, I did a web refresh uh, mm. for a business that I was on. So I had my marketing team and my programmers uh, using Basecamp is a way to track progress. What I liked about Basecamp, uh, it has a lot of the same features in some ways as a task board, but Basecamp has the check-ins that are a little bit easier if you're not in the same time zone. Mm. Uh, so the idea that you check in, you do sort of a virtual huddle is, is kind of a nice way to go for that. Yeah. I also found Basecamp to be a better record keeping structure. So if you're working on something that builds on each other and you need to go back and refer back to any of the correspondence 
the task updates, which can include file uploads. So maybe you've got a spreadsheet or you've got a, a contract proposal or something like that in there. You will actually have all of those documents easily accessible mm -hmm. within the project that you've set up. Task boards tend to be a little bit more ephemeral. Mm -hmm. You start a task, you work on the task, you finish the task, you move it to done, and it's, it's done and out of the way. I don't find it to be a good way of recording documentation. And that's, you know, in, in my defensive email the other week, one of the reasons that I do still like email is because there is that trail that you can refer back to. Sure. And perhaps it's just because I deal far too much with lawyers and claims and <laughs> those wonderful discussions that come up with uh, spending a lot of money on lawyers. Uh, but having a, an audit trail is actually really good. Um, I find Basecamp was really good for that, for big projects. The ephemeral side, the things that you're just going to do within the next couple of weeks, they're great for putting into a task board. Mm -hmm. You can work on larger things, but the, the documentation side is not the strong point of any of these processes. Yeah. I mean, I suppose the question I would have about a task board is that you've described, uh, some recurring tasks that, um, you know, as you say, sort of build upon each other, uh, to, to, you know, final outputs that might not be possible until certain time has passed, et cetera. So I, I can sort of visualize how that's going to work. And as one quarter or year comes to an end, then, then the whole thing just sort of restarts. Exactly. But in terms of more, in terms of more occasional tasks, one-off tasks, um, how do you manage that? I mean, do, do, you, do you have a limit to, to your sort of left-hand column? Because I suppose the temptation would be just to keep throwing things in on the left and, and they might be different types of tasks and your columns might not work and you could end up with multiple boards, I guess. Is that, is that how it works? Yeah. So I have, uh, six boards in this, uh, Asana that I use. The reason I do is because there's all the individual businesses that I'm looking at. Each individual business has its own task board. So a lot of the tasks are repeated on each one of those, mm -hmm. but a person may not do five or six businesses together, five or six sets of those tasks, or they may do. So for example, if it's a, a government tax filing, we have some value added taxes out here in Canada, mm -hmm. uh, which would be like sales taxes for our American listeners. And uh, I can't remember what you guys call it in, in England. You have a name for it. Uh, you're going to struggle with this one. Value added tax. Exactly. VAT. <laughs> That's right. Uh, we call it the government services tax out here. So, okay. uh, but there's, there's a monthly filing that has to be done and you sort of have to wait till the end of the month. Now it makes sense when you're collecting all your numbers together that you put everything into a spreadsheet or some sort of collection. And then you log on to the government and you file everything at once. But it's not necessarily the case. You know, maybe you finish one of these and you want to get it out of the way. That's where it comes to, comes up to the discretion of the person running the, the board. In Scrum, you have a Scrum master to help direct things. 
in my organization, I don't don't do that. We have a tasks that are assigned to certain people. They have deadlines. I don't need to worry about it. The one thing that I would say with using like a task board that's really really important, and if you use it the traditional way with sprints, it's kind of a natural part of it. But just using it in a corporate environment is a little bit tougher. Is that you end up with a lot of volume that you have to kind of wade through. And I think one of the most important things is to have a weekly review. There you go. There's something you haven't heard from, from me before. <laughs> a weekly review where you plan out what you're going to do in the week and you put that into your in-progress file. You take it out of the to-do file. You kind of say, okay, these are all the things that I have to do. Uh, for me, we actually have it in a to-do file. Everything else gets put in a non-actionable file because waiting for, we have to wait. You know, you can't file your taxes until all your month and numbers are in. Sure. Common sense, but, uh, you know, you don't want to sit there right after you finish one month and you've filed everything and you've got a physical calendar month that you're looking at this task in your to-do list that you can't do anything with. The defer dates are really important there. And that's why I've created a separate, separate column for it. Okay. Um, and that, that's less of a factor if you use a traditional task manager. You know, OmniFocus, for example, I don't see that until it needs to be, until it can be actioned on. Um, so that's one of the things that I do recommend is picking out with some intentionality. Here's my plan. Here's what I'm going to do this week. And put all that as a communication tool up front, ready to go. Now, Asana, you know, as a way to replace email is a tough one. Because it has things like messaging, which is, to me, internal email in there. Mm -hmm. It has subtasks, which are great if a task has multiple parts that you have to deal with. For example, filing taxes. I don't know why we're stuck on taxes. Maybe it's because I'm an accountant. I'm dealing with some of those. <laughs> uh, but you can imagine that the first thing you have to do is you have to look at your month-end numbers for reasonability. You have to get the login from several different places you have to um, you know there's the several tasks a really bad example those are actually quite simple but some projects uh, you do want to have i need to do this before i can do this and then i can do this and again you can have subtasks in there as well rather than having this glut of of tasks in there just creating clutter mm -hmm. asana has and I don't know why, and maybe it's just because I'm old and grumpy. It has likes, a like button, a thumbs up button. I'm not sure why anybody's going to like a task, but you know, it's there. <laughs> you can upload files. Uh, so if you're working on something co collaboratively, there's a spreadsheet that's got backup. You can actually use the files and communicate. Uh, you can use a little at sign and the person's name to talk between them in the messaging of the tasks. You can assign tasks. So again, that would come down to a scrum master or a supervisor. Uh, but in some cases it is, we have a column in our task manager of waiting for. So sometimes there's things that one of, one of my bookkeepers doesn't have that piece of paper or that backup and they need that from someone else. They can actually assign that to someone else to say, Hey, you need to get me this piece of information. There's nothing I can, can act on. Uh, one thing I do like is it has links to tasks. So you can actually copy that link and use it in, say, a task manager, a personal task manager. Here's something I want to do. That way it's not necessarily public facing. Mm -hmm. uh, notes, it has different views as well. So you can have a list view. 
which is basically just a traditional to-do list. You've got your board, your task board, which is the more traditional view. You can even do a waterfall timeline, which is basically your old plan from Microsoft Project of how to do that. And you can even have a calendar view, which unfortunately just shows your due dates. Here's all the due dates coming up. It doesn't really show when you need to work on those ahead of time, but it at least will give you an idea of when you've perhaps got uh, some big deadlines coming up. So it, it, it is a fairly complex and fully featured solution. Trello, I'm not as familiar with, and I didn't go back into my old Trello account to see what their functions were. I'm assuming they're somewhat the same. Mm -hmm. In a lot of ways, even, even Basecamp is like this. I know that Rome and Notion have some functionality that you can use that is similar to this. And I believe there's some Omni automation that create list-based views. I haven't tried it, but they are out there. If you like the visual stuff, the visual stuff is really where this comes into its own though, is having a list of stuff to do and moving it along and getting that that nice feeling of, hey, I'm clearing out all the backlog of stuff that I have to do this week. Mm -hmm. That really has a motivational aspect for it. It's a great way to communicate. What are the downsides though? Uh, anything that jumps out as you as a positive or negative, Stu? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, as we said earlier on, this is sort of quite relevant to me in the moment because I'm, I'm experimenting with Basecamp. Um, and I, I guess there are, there are a few people listening who are in a similar position to me where, um, either they're working in a, in a very small organization, you know, perhaps it's a, it's a side hustle as, as people call them, um, or they're working in a bigger organization, but just have their own little corner of it, um, which isn't necessarily team-based. And so I, I, my first thing looking at Asana, um, as you've laid it out there, um, and let's let's assume that Trello, Basecamp, you know, there are there is a lot of crossover. Mm -hmm. Is that actually probably the sensible thing to do? Open brackets. Therefore, I won't do it. Close brackets. <laughs> would be to um, you know take the wall in front of me uh, and put some post its on it <laughs> and say, right, okay, what I'm going to do is just start with those three columns. Maybe I'm going to add a waiting for column, and maybe there might be another column. But how does that feel to me when I have, you know, 10 tasks uh, over there on the left um, and I'm going to start planning my week? Does this feel natural to me? Does this feel right to me uh, before going off and, and, and investing somewhere else? Because I'm very mindful of what you said very early on in the conversation, which was the, the danger of doing half of this. This, this strikes me not just as, a, as, as an app or as a, as a function, but it's, it's kind of a driver for the way that your organization, big or small, is going to work and is going to look at problems and look at issues. And if you, if you only do half of it, then you're not going to make the savings that this would suggest you would do so i guess the idea of asana is that you don't have to have status meetings anymore you don't have to send each other 400 emails a day but if you're only half doing it then you're going to still have the status meetings and you're still going to send the email and you're going to be electronically at least moving post-its around on the wall 
Um, so you, you've, you've added more uh, sort of working, working in productivity rather than working with productivity, if you see what I mean. Mm-hmm. I guess to me, that's the thing that's jumping out at me. I, and the reason it's jumping out at me is because of my own tendency to go, oh, yes, I'll do this. But no, on the side, I'll, I'll keep doing that as well. Um, and end up finding myself doing 10 things uh, badly rather than one thing properly. Yeah. And, and that is certainly a factor because I still have my OmniFocus, which is my master list in some ways. Mm. I find a task board works well for a team. I don't necessarily talk to my team members in person you know, if I talk to them every couple of weeks, most of our stuff can be digital, mm. but it doesn't necessarily replace some of the other channels as well. Yeah. You know, there's still emails that come in, but what it does do is give a, a direction, you know, here's what we need to do. Here's the set of reminders. It's a communal task list in a lot of ways. I like the visual layout of it. Uh, my team is small enough that we're kind of on the free tier still. Mm. Um, it misses out some of the advanced functionality to it, but it, it works well enough for the application that I've got. Physically, the physical boards, I think, are great in the right environment as well, where people can see them. Mm. And that certainly in 2020, 2021 is, or more of a challenge, I should say, than it is a a help having a physical board somewhere if people are working remote or only like myself in the office, you know, a couple of times a week. Sure. So it is, uh, it, it has advantages and disadvantages. It is very good for corralling people, people's attention into what needs to be done in a very visual way. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the real advantages of it though. So that working on your own, yeah, it's going to be a lot harder. Working as a team, there is certain advantages to it. Yeah. I think Cal Newport's proposition that these systems could replace email if, as you say, the entire organization shifts away from an email or Slack message into Asana or into Trello or one of these types of tools that are there. Hmm. There is an advantage to that, or even Basecamp. You know, if everybody then communicates through Basecamp, that has an advantage to it. But there are still things like there's internal messaging in there. There's assignment of tasks. There's the review of things. So you're just changing email. You're slapping a coat of paint on it. You're calling it something else in some ways. That communication can still be there in big teams for this type of type of work. It is not the answer to everything, but it's a way to cut down on some of the distraction and make it a little bit more focused. One of the challenges that I find though is cost. So a lot of businesses, most businesses will have an exchange server kicking around with the wonderful Microsoft office that you need for whatever many reasons that there are, are, are out there. Uh, if you're an accountant, trying to live without Excel is almost impossible as much as there are some other alternatives out there. Excel just does things better. Everybody, you know, from your bank to whoever you deal with, you're going to need that. Probably Word documents are like that for many salespeople and contracts. And, you know, it's just the reality that we live in. As much as we would like to change some of those away from there, it, it is a de facto standard for many businesses. 
trying to then layer more functionality and more cost on a subscription-based service does get quite pricey mm -hmm. and it's a hard sell for many businesses. So I just looked at, uh, Arasana. It is $67.45 US a month. So it's about a hundred, just under a hundred bucks Canadian. That's for five users. And it goes up from there, $13.49 US per user per month. You know, if you have a large user base that yep. could use this, that becomes a hefty spend for some businesses uh, on a monthly basis, on a, on a yearly basis. For what many, many business leaders will look at, we already have email, perhaps we already have Slack, we already have Microsoft Teams, which is included. We're already paying for that. Why do we need this other thing? So that introduction is going to be challenging because it's, in some ways, you're selling something that people are going to become less, um, less available and more focused. And that's not necessarily the way that a lot of organizations want to be connected. Mm -hmm. If you're a Boston organization, you want to have immediate responses. Many do. I shouldn't say all, but... A lot of bosses that I've worked for uh, want to have very quick responses to the emails that they sent. And that's part of the email culture that Cal Newport's talking about. Yeah. I'm not sure that this is an easy one. Uh, Stu, you've been in businesses, you've had your own businesses. How would this be a, this spend be an easy sell for you in a business? It's, it's an interesting one because I think um, it's probably, it's one of those ones that's easier at the extremes. So to, to, for a massive business, I mean, a huge business with lots of users, then A, I'm sure you can get, you know, special terms. And B, you would only be considering this if you were going to do, do it properly. So um, you would be saying, okay, in order to do this, we are going to get rid of the slack. We are going to... Make you know make savings uh, around the organisation that will contribute to the cost of this, uh, and we're going to. You'd be making some very opinionated choices. So, mm -hmm. guys, you do not send each other emails. You talk on the internal messaging system, whatever that might be. Um, and I think you would build up a, a business case there. And as you say, you have to find a way of quantifying that sort of unified focus. The team knows where the team is going. It's visually represented. We will get there faster. Therefore, we can do more. And you, Mr. Bossman, will get a bigger bonus at the end of the year. That's, I think, how you would sell it at the top. Right down, I'm looking now personally at the other level. So I'm saying, okay, little little, uh, little Nero's notes. We, we are redesigning our website. <gasps> Very exciting. Um, so that means... We're, we're based on a Shopify platform. So um, Shopify works on themes, much like WordPress does. Uh, so there's some fiddling around to be done. Let's, let's put it that, the technical term, fiddling about. There's also some writing to be done. So product descriptions, collection descriptions. Uh, there's some design work because, you know, we have logos. Uh, there's some photography because we're selling stuff. And if you've got nice photos of it, it tends to sell better. So even though 
Nero's notes is, is Claire and I part-time, actually it's mounting up. I mean, I'm thinking right now on the Nero's project, I've got six users. Mm-hmm. So I would be already at uh, what $80 per month. Now, is it is that worth it for me, for my company? Okay, where can I make savings? Well, I don't pay for Slack. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't really pay for anything else. So I have to, to justify that $80 through increased productivity and therefore profit and revenue. Could I do that? I think maybe I could. And the reason I say that is because the project itself has been quite difficult to wrestle without some tools. Yeah, I can imagine. Once once you start taking on a bigger uh, project, yes, I could sit in the middle like a big fat spider uh, sending emails to everyone, but all of the, th- the little caveats that you brought up uh, occur. So I have people in different time zones. Um, I have people whose uh, availability is not sketchy, but variable. And so... Um, it, it's it's a lot of work that I need to do around email and coordinating and you know juggling to make things work. Whereas something like Asana or Basecamp or or any of these things will make that much easier for me. Uh, and as you say, there are free tiers, and you know there might be some some things that can be done in that. I think the real difficulty is in some of the clients I'm working with, who are you know larger companies, or you know the, the, they they go from medium to large, and they have large extended teams, particularly now remote teams. And you could see real benefits. I'm thinking of a sales team that I'm involved in. Wow, this would be great for them. Um, I, th- I could see how it would improve the focus. And, but it'd be such a t- tough sell to a team because it's not going to realize any of the savings across the organization. It's just going to be specific to that team. So then you're, you know, the guys in that team are messaging each other uh, and liking each other's tasks, as you say, slightly bizarrely, <laughs> um, within uh, within Asana, and then immediately switching to Microsoft Teams to keep up with the other teams that they work with and the other communication systems that are within the business. And, and actually, you end up contributing to this whole uh, email culture, busy, busy communication culture, rather than worky, worky communication culture, which is what we're trying to get to. So... I think that's that's where it's really difficult, and presumably it's why Asana doesn't yet rule the world or, um, you know, uh, have billions and billions of users. Um, it, it's a really, really enticing offer, or it is to me, um, and I think it is to you too. But it's it is, as you say, challenging to to show the value that will come from that. What I would say is that you need to have. A technologically minded and forward thinking project sponsor at a high enough level to implement this, to ju- to make that justification. I think this is a hard one in a traditional uh, midsize organization yep. to start from a team level and shake up to this, shake up to the top. You know, here's what we want to do. This may be a tough sell without having something that you can do first. But uh, again, that's just my thought. Maybe businesses are a little bit more progressive than uh, the last time I was in a big jobby job, uh, you know, large organization. I just, the last one I was in, um, large international organization, 
I just could not see anybody been this, um, enthusiastic. And one of the other challenges is of course, with Asana or Trello, you're putting information onto other corporate service. Yeah. You're not keeping that within, uh, the organization. And that in itself may be another barrier for a lot of organizations. They don't want to have, uh, you know, the next Facebook leak from Asana where all of your user date details get out there. Now, for sure, from what I understand, these are rock solid. Um, I put my data up on them. I trust them. I, I believe they're, they're good companies, but the reality is that uh, everything is is as good as a password. And, uh, you know, for some, some jobs and some organizations, there is a reluctance to put anything out on a cloud. Yeah, I mean, I think there's an allergy to it, isn't there? And um, then you end up with remote access and all of the all of the joy, shall I say, that that brings. Hard to steal your sticky notes, though, isn't it, Stu? <laughs> well, that's that's the thing. I mean, I think um, certainly for me, uh, what what sort of comes out of this is is the need to really understand um, where I would get benefit and what is actually going to work and 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 not going to work because you know there is a danger as with all things productivity and you and i know this perhaps better than most of you know the shiny new app the new thing and it it actually turning out to be the emperor's new clothes i suppose the the example i would use is slack you know that that was going to liberate us all from email um and somehow has become email even worse than email in a lot of ways because it's instant and people expect a response yep uh, kind of like your teams have you turned off your uh, you've got a notification on there Stuart. uh are you are you away or <laughs> uh i i have uh, no idea how all these notifications work on these machines now um, i say i've got everything turned off but uh, something has got a magic key to get through everything. I don't know how it works. Uh, besides Mrs. L. <laughs> well, there, she just shouts. That's easy. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take all of my IT and smash it to pieces one by one until there are no more beeps. <laughs> there you go. There's a constructive answer. Ah, uh, yes. Splendid. Well, that's given me loads and loads of uh, things to think about, to consider, particularly as I'm... Uh, investigating now, managing this project. So, I mean, if I was going to give a piece of advice to to people, uh, I think it would be to go through this process, to really speak to an expert about what it is you're considering. So, so my issue is how to manage this project. We happen to be reading books that that are talking a lot about boards. Justin knows about boards, so I've let him listen and explain to me how they work. And I think that's the most important thing to do with any new productivity tool. If you're thinking about, um, you know, whether it be using things or using OmniFocus or going to Asana, speak to people that use these tools. Get an understanding of how they work before, I mean, I'm not particularly talking about the cost of them, but I'm talking about the energy that's required 
And the amount of times I've done this, and I'm sure Justin's the same. Right, I'm going to migrate everything to this thing and spend hours and hours and hours doing that only to discover that actually this thing doesn't really do what I need. <laughs> Approach these things with a, with a degree of skepticism and caution. There's my piece of advice. What's your piece of advice for someone, Justin? I, I think start simple. Start with the default three columns. Now, when I say start simple, all of these Bandcamp, which is not a task board, Trello and Asana, all have free versions. Mm-hmm. Sign up with a personal email and play with it. Use it as a task manager for yourself a couple of times to see what that really would work like. Does it make sense for you? Can you take that and say, how is that going to work in an organization before you do that? Play with it. They're, they're not time limited. They're not like the 30-day shareware deals that we used to have. They're a good place to try it, but start simple. Rather than creating all of these possibilities of what could we use all these columns for? Because all of a sudden you need one of these 30-inch widescreen PC um, monitors, you know, the ones that curve around you, just so you can actually see all your different columns if you're not careful. Mm-hmm. Start simple, try it, see if it works for you. Try using, even if it's a duplicate of your own personal task manager, just for a little bit to try it before you dive in with both feet, as Stu has said. If, you, if you're a technology guy and you come up with this idea, you're probably going to get the communal eye roll. You know the one. <laughs> so if you start small, you know what you're going to do. Physical whiteboards also work really well. You know, try it out on there. See if you can get people involved in there. If you are in uh, an office or somewhere where you could do that. Even again, personally, I think Stu's wall is going to be suffering from pieces of uh, post-it notes up there. Hopefully <laughs> yeah, ones that are fountain pen friendly, but uh, we won't go there. Um, it's, it's a great, it is a great tool for the right application. And especially when you start sharing it, then it really comes into its own. I still like my list-based stuff, but uh, if OmniFocus were to release a version that I could actually switch back and forth, I'm sure I would actually get some use for that. So I I do see some advantages to it that a traditional list-based task manager doesn't have, particularly in collaboration. So that's that's my thoughts on it. Fantastic. It's been really useful for me to to dig into this. And there may be supplementary for you here, Mr. Twyford. I may be coming after you. No worries. It's all good. Um, if you want any info, I'm happy to share my stuff. Okay, perfect. So where can people find you on the internet? Uh, well, I can be found at stuartlennon.com or indeed nerosnotes.co.uk. Um, and you can find Justin and I at stationaryadjacent.com. What about you, Justin? Where can people find you? You can find me at justintwyfer.com or my writing on stationarywriteexperience.com. Next topic we're going to have is going to be the importance of routines. I think that'll be a really interesting one because I know Stu and I both share some strong thoughts about this. Until then, goodbye and stay productive. Yes, us.